Welcome to Cream, Eggs and Jam. A podcast for food nerds with show and tell by Elise Bullbrook and Scott Bagnell. We love to cook with cream, eggs and jam and learn from food people who give a damn. So join us each week for thoughts, tips and tricks with guests, recipes and more in the mix. Episode four. Hello. Hi, Scotty. Hi, Elise. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining Hi, everyone. us. Yes. Welcome to Cream, Eggs and Jam episode four. My name is Elise Pulbrook. And I am Scott Bagnall. Today, I'm coming to you from Yagura country. And I am coming to you from Wurundjeri country. And we'd like to start this podcast acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we're recording the podcast and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. We're about to do something fun. (laughs) It's a little bit naughty, but it's probably not as naughty as what it would be if we're recording this at nine o'clock in the morning, let's Mm, be honest. mm. It's it's 5.30pm on a school night, but we're about to do it and it's going to be fun. It's cocktail hour. <laughs> it is cocktail hour. Usually we record this really early in the morning. It's the evening. And I think we're going to be talking about drinks today. Allegedly, oh, correct. Allegedly <laughs> bevies <laughs> is the working yeah. title. Yes, leisurely alcoholic beverages, I think, even more specifically, because at no time during the planning of this podcast have we really considered beverages that aren't alcoholic. <laughs> I know. It's on the to-do list. Maybe next week we should do, like, non-alcoholic beverages. I love tea. I drink it throughout the day. It's one of my favourite things in the world. But tonight we're talking cocktails. Okay, tea next week, everybody. And today mm-hmm. on the podcast, we are talking to Penny Sippy, producer, inventor of the Australian Cocktail Month, which is running in May. She's going to join us for some hot tips on the best bars in Australia to visit during Cocktail Month. I'm going to visit a few bars in Brisbane and try and get some tips along the way what makes the perfect cocktail. Elise, I think you're off to another event as well. Well, I just got home from a festival at the Dalatite Winery and there was a beautiful uh, gin uh, maker uh, at the farmer's market on Sunday and he shared with me a killer apple pie cocktail recipe. So that could just well and be my show and tell this week. Oh, giving it away early. Mm, (laughs) I like mm, this. mm. Speaking of giving things away, we're giving things away. This is our first giveaway this week as well. We have some tickets to Australian (laughs) Cocktail Month to give away. What are we making today? What's the cocktail? Well, I sent Scotty a message saying we should both make Bloody Marys because they're my favourite cocktail and we should make them live while we talk to each other and it can be an ASMR experience. Then I get this text message back from Scotty saying he doesn't like tomato juice. Um, (laughs) Soz. So we're not making Bloody Marys. (laughs) Uh, They're actually my favourite cocktail, but... Are they? Oh, we could have made them. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. A close, a close second would be a margarita. Ooh, you know, yeah. I've got. I wouldn't even know if it's a second. Like I, I love a margarita. I love a Negroni. I love a Bloody Mary, <sighs> and I love a martini with a really nice dry vermouth mm, ooh, with yeah. a twist because you ooh, know yeah. everything is better with a little bit of lemon. Obviously, I'm a stickler for a classic. However, yeah, of the other classics, I reckon a margarita is one of the. One of the best. That's my personal opinion. 
Yes. What do you think? Yes. No, oh, look, maybe. I don't mind a margarita. I'm not a big fan of tequila. There are so oh. many different grades of tequila. If you mm. have a really nice tequila, they can be good. Okay. And well, I'm... I, mm, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm usually a stickler for tradition, but I mm. am going to uh, mix it up today and I'm going to do my version of a margarita. Cocktail aficionados, look away now. Because Uh you're probably going to be mortified by my version of a margarita. What sort of version are you going to make? Well, I'll be using tequila, of course. I have (laughs) have quite the penchant for tequila, Scotty. Um, I have a shaker and I'm about to add ice. That's my first ingredient, Scotty. What's yours? I have no idea how we're going to do this on camera. Um, This is going to be really interesting. Look, I'm not going to shake my margarita. Oh, that's going to be good. I have a, a bar glass um, and a spoon with some ice in it. Ah, well, I've and just I- put my ice in a shaker. We're already off to different starts. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm going to stir my margarita. I'm not going to shake it. I am using a third of a cup measuring spoon today because oh. I can't find <laughs> the correct barman's implement anywhere in my in my drawers. All of the bartenders uh, are going to be so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not a professional, but I, I love delicious things. That's that's the guarantee I'm going to provide. This okay. is by no means, you know, how you should do things in life, but I am going <laughs> to tell you, um, using a third of a cup measuring uh, spoon will end up with a delicious consequence in the end. All right. I Beautiful. have filled my cocktail shaker about three quarters of the way up with the ice. Yes. I'm now adding a third of a cup of tequila. Now, and I'm what... using a beautiful golden tequila. Oh, that it's is not, good. Yeah, it's not top shelf. This is just the Jose Curvo Especial. I haven't pronounced that correctly at all. But uh, it's their um, tequila made with blue agave and... It's, it's not top shelf, it's not bottom shelf, somewhere in the middle, and it's nice and golden. So that's going into my shaker, a third of a cup of tequila. I'm, um, I'm going to go off the rails straight up with uh, this. I'm not using tequila in my margarita. I have this beautiful Four Pillars rarest dry gin. This what are you is doing? This made on bergamot. <laughs> this is not a, this is not a <laughs> margarita. This is technically, I think the term for this is a margatini. So it's a margarita <laughs> and a martini um, combined together. So, okay. like, it's inspired by a margarita. It's got the same basis. We're just – we're veering off the tequila train and we're onto the gin yeah. train. So I'm, I'm going to use two measures of this. Scotty, my next ingredient is another third of a cup of tequila. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> is this just a jug of tequila? I don't know if you heard that little pour, but that was another third of a cup of tequila. So I've I love this. officially added two thirds of a cup of tequila. I'm going off my own plan. All right. Okay, um, next. <laughs> next. Is I that believe. It? No, no, no. <laughs> Shake it with the ice. Pour it in a cup. <laughs> I'm not complaining. No, no, no. Uh, my next, my real next ingredient is a third of a cup of triple sec. If you don't have triple sec, you could substitute it with Contro, a nice citrusy Contro. Oh, look at you with the Contro. Here's a Contro I've prepared earlier, so I'm going to use Contro mm. in mine. One measure of Contro, so two parts of gin, one part Contro for me. 
My my um <laughs> my shake is already too full. I've put too much ice in here. I'm gonna take some out. <laughs> my next ingredient, Scotty Bagnall. Yes. Is a third of a cup of lime juice. Beautiful. Mm, I have yum, this yum. lovely little miniature beaker of lime juice that I have prepared earlier here. Oh, it's so cute. <laughs> mm. So I'm going to add my miniature beaker of lime juice to my bar glass. Ooh. And give it a stir. Uh, to counter your stirring, I am shaking today. And one of the reasons I'm shaking mm. is because I'm about to add fresh chopped coriander from my garden. <gasps> Oh, yum. And when Ooh, I, I shake this, this up, it's going to bruise a little bit in the drink. Okay. So I, I have about a tablespoon of fresh chopped coriander. It's from my garden. It's delicious. If you don't like coriander, leave. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's a, I've just, I've got coriander all over my fingers. I'm going to wipe my fingers. <laughs> um, so I've got tequila, triple sec, lime juice, coriander. I have more things to add. Are you done? Is that I your am, cocktail? I am done. Like here is my oh, no, no, no. glass. I have... My salted rim, I still like the salt oh. in this, like the bergamot gin, the lime juice, the Cointreau, no sugar syrup. You can add sugar syrup. I like this like just nice and dry. Salted okay. rim, I'm going to try and pour this in while talking and not yeah. pour it all over my desk. You're not allowed to take a sip until I'm ready too because we have to oh. cheers. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Holy moly. With the computer screen or something, I don't know. But we will. Okay, um, I've poured mine out. I am adding out. sugar syrup. I've got sugar syrup here Ooh, and I've yeah. got a chili infused Ooh, sugar spicy. syrup. Okay. Yeah. I'm adding a whole third of a cup of <laughs> oh sugar syrup. How many uh, people does this drink serve? It'll be for Adam and I this evening. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many drinks. But I also have pink grapefruit juice. I'm not oh, done what? yet. I, You're yeah, still I've adding more? Syrup. I'm still adding more. Oh I'm still God. adding more. So a third of a cup of the pink grapefruit. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Here we go. And if I can fit it in, I'm going to do another third of a cup too. I'm going to do it. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be safe because I have some expensive equipment around and yes. remove a little bit of ice. <laughs> Please don't ruin that podcasting agreement. If there's no episode five, you know why. Look, I'm not going to lie. My um little boomy thing. What's the thing on top of the microphone? The um you pop muzzle. filter. The muzzle. <laughs> it's a little bit wet. Okay. <laughs> I'm adding another third of a cup of pink grapefruit juice. I love a pink drink. Don't you love a pink drink? So I squeeze. some water while I'm waiting. <laughs> oh, good boy. Hydration's important. Rehide before you dehyde. <laughs> Never heard that. Before. You've not heard that. It's very important. <laughs> Top tip for today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Okay. Are you I'm done? ready to shake. I'm ready to shake. Okay. I'm ready to shake. I'll need to make I don't shake it all over my house. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yes. Please make sure you've got a, a good seal on mm. your shaker. In fact, one fun thing I'm going to do is wrap it with a tea towel. This is what you can do at home, guys, <laughs> to avoid extra disasters. All right, I'm shaking. Shake, shake, shake. What was Scotty. What was that? <gasps> Did you just drop your drink? Yes. Oh, no. It's all over my life. It's all over my life. 
<laughs> oh my god! Please tell me the lid's still on. No. <laughs> Holy I'm crap! Very wet. Holy oh no. crap! Oh no! I need a towel. This is <gasps> bad. Okay, don't do that at home. Um, <laughs> give me one moment. I'm getting a towel. I Holy need to get a crap! Towel. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm a little bit drier. <laughs> My cocktail. I need a cocktail. Oh I'm dry. I've got a towel on the floor. Adam doesn't know what's happened. I'll oh, no. no. Adam, do not watch this podcast. Um, I think Pardon at least me. this is why uh, we should really record our podcast in the morning. Uh. <laughs> but then we wouldn't have... I mean, you can have a cocktail in the morning. It just, it's not encouraged. Anyway... <laughs> no. Um, to wet the rim of my glass, I'm rubbing um, one of the grapefruit halves from the squeezing I did earlier. I love back this. to the making of the recipe. I feel okay, like a Swedish chef. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the Swedish chef? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's me. Welcome. Okay. Was that the Muppets? The Muppets. <laughs> Scotty, what was all right? In my salt, I've yes. got. Um, Lime zest, chili powder, and salt. So it's oh, it's another third of a cup of flaky salt <laughs> with a <laughs> teaspoon of chili powder, and then just the zest of the limes that I squeezed earlier. Yeah, so two limes, um, and the ruby grapefruit uh, pulp has also kind of stuck to the edge of my my rim too. Is that, that uh, nice. an intended feature of this cocktail? Yeah, I don't mind it. <laughs> <laughs> or a happy accident. Oh. Why did that happen before? Why? <laughs> anyway, I'm shaking and I'm holding onto the lid a little bit more securely. You know what the problem was? Like I, I used that tea towel yes. thinking this is going to help, but then I wasn't really holding onto the shaker. Yes. So don't do what I did. <laughs> I've got I got my little strainy thingamajiggy. Yes, what do you call this, nice. Scotty? Do you know? Um, yes, it is a strainer. Um, hang mm. on, hang on. I shall refer to my... It's a cocktail um, implement. I have some of them around and sometimes I can find them. And, and today I have found the strainer for my shaker. <laughs> oh, no, it's a Hawthorne strainer. Hawthorne strainer. A Hawthorne strainer. strainer. Very yes. fancy. Yes. Now we can cheers. Okay, can we cheers now? <laughs> oh, I really made you hold on to your drink for ages. <laughs> I know. <gasps> oh, oh, look at I've you. I've got a little twist of lime in there. Oh, very nice. My <laughs> looks like it's a mess, but I promise you it's going to be yum. All right, cheers, Scotty. Cheers. Mm. Mm. This surprisingly still tastes like a margarita. The gin, the this particular gin is really dry and mm. it's got the bergamot, which just amps up the citrus notes. And then the Cointreau, the lime and the salt rim. I think it's a lot smoother without the tequila and it, you still feel like you're having a margarita, but it's, it's a nice little margatini. I, I want to change your mind about tequila the next time you're in Melbourne. I'm going to make you one of these Deal. just to see how you go. I think Honestly. we should get back on track. Let's talk about MasterChef. <laughs> Let's talk about Sunday's episode. Mm. Did you watch it? Oh, yeah. God, no, I never watch it, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel. Can't. I feel this episode is. 
is fraught with uh, um, errors. Yep. Okay, so I will describe yep. the episode to you because it was actually a really interesting mm. episode. Um, mm. r- two rounder, they're always mm. hard. First round, 10-minute cook. Ooh. 10-minute cook. Now, Fantastic. I, I whipped up this cocktail in like a minute. Mm. I mm-hmm. reckon, could, do you reckon you could make a cocktail on MasterChef? Like if you made a drink, is that a thing? You know what? If it's if it only took a minute, you serve it with something else as well. Make a oh. bloody ceviche and a margarita and your 10-minute cook is done. Yes. Did anyone do that? Because they no. would be my friend. Ah! No. So many people were like had so many ingredients out. I'm like, what are you doing? Julie Goodwin made this Thai salad and her chicken, she had a whole chicken and it was sitting on the bench until three minutes to go she started cooking her chicken. It was insane. Was it and somehow she overcooked her chicken in the last That's three minutes miracle. of the cook. I know. I know, right? Absolutely crazy. So that was like um, the first part. So the fans won the first Mm. round and our wonderful friend Mel made this gorgeous fried egg silken tofu and what she called yummy sauce. And it looks so good. And she saved the whole team. So the favourites had to go into round two. Now round two, 18-hour cook. So it went from the shortest cook you could possibly imagine to the longest cook. So they had 45 minutes to prep and then they Mm -hmm. had to leave it overnight for 18 hours, come back the next day and then finish Mm -hmm. the cook off in 60 minutes. I love that because that's a little bit more like real life cooking, slow cooking and being able to marinate things, being able to leave things over time is what you can do in real life. In the MasterChef kitchen, it's a privilege to be given time. Yeah, so I look. I reckon this would have been a really hard challenge because you don't practice eighteen-hour dishes for MasterChef. That's so, and it's not something that's in your wheelhouse or even uh, on your radar. So I think no. a lot of you could tell that the favourites were thrown when that challenge was given to them on terms of what on earth they could cook. How do you make the best of that long period of time? And actually, like. 18 hours is a really long time. It's almost like too much. And um, I think a lot of people came a little bit unstuck with that. Unfortunately, Sashi went home. Well, that's a shock. That was a shock. Everyone was shocked because, you know, he won his season and he's an Mm. amazing cook. But he was trying to do this beautiful dish that just kept not working and it flustered him and he lost track of time and where he was at. And unfortunately he did this um, fish curry and it burnt on the bottom of the pan and he didn't realize because he was doing so many other things and that burnt flavor went through his dish and it sent him home so early. Wow. Well, this is why you tell me all about MasterChef. I live vicariously through you, Scotty. (laughs) I get to feel like I've watched it now. (laughs) Thank you. I can't can't watch it because it gives me too much anxiety. I hardly sleep at night after watching it. I go back to dark, dark places. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, I think we need to get into show and tell for the week. This is one of my favourite segments. Have you got something for show and tell today? Well, I'm going to tell a story. I think you should go first. Okay. Well, (laughs) 
speaking of margaritas, I'd love to tell you about a fond time I had once. Mm. This is probably not interesting to anyone. <laughs> I'm now thinking about the value of this show and tell, and it's not going to add any value to your life. But it was a great time, and I think that's why people tell stories. Yeah, why anyway, not? <laughs> to relive a great time. Anyway, I was at an airport in the south of the United States of America and I was waiting for a flight to go to New York and my flight was cancelled. I was a little bit frustrated, Scotty. My life seemed a bit down. I went to a bar. It was a uh, Mexican restaurant within this particular airport. I believe it was like Charlton or something like that. Mm-hmm. I was in the south of the US. Mm-hmm. I'd spent a little bit of time in South Carolina and it took a while to get to the airport. So well, the airport wasn't in South Carolina. This is a terrible story. I told you it would be. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I sat at the airport bar and you know what? I was by myself and in that moment, I was like, no one is stopping me from the amount of from the amount of margaritas that I could possibly order. <laughs> you know what oh I mean? Dear. Do you ever have have you ever had that? It's like I have this autonomy over my own being. And if I want to drink alone at an airport bar, I will. And so I did. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I drank a few margaritas (laughs) (laughs) and they were excellent. (laughs) If you drink a margarita in the United States of America, it is likely to be excellent, obviously because their Mexican population is quite high and they know how to get it right. They know their tequila and you'll never get like a slushy. A margarita is not a slushy. If you're listening to this and you think a margarita is like a daiquiri, like crushed ice, like a, mm. like a slurpy, like a lemony slurpy from your local 7-Eleven with a bit of booze, no. you are wrong. A no. margarita is a cocktail that is a firm, stiff drink and it is at its best when made with a delicious tequila. And that day, I don't know how many beverages I drank, but I recall sending a photo to my dad. I connected to the airport Wi-Fi and it just so happened that it was my Nana Helen's um anniversary of her passing on that day and I'd forgotten I was I was away um but her middle name was Margarita oh wow there you go yeah so she was with me um (laughs) I love that it's a totally random story but uh yes thank you for sharing that with us That's my show and tell. No one has learned anything. No one has gained anything except a little bit of insight into Elise. But you know what, actually? You can take something away from this. Okay, I'm ready. Enjoy your life. Yes. Yeah. Do what makes you happy at the time. There yep. are no rules. I mean, there are rules. There's, there's law and order. But then when it comes to enjoying yourself <laughs> with food and beverages... Splurge a little every now and then. Mm, Do something that makes you happy. What's your show and tell, Scott Bagnell? My show and tell is, I I haven't wrapped it up. It's not on brand. It's not in a box or anything, but it is a super cute little book. 
that my niece brought home from the library. And can I tell you, I'm absolutely in love with this. Look at this book. The cat wants custard. Oh, no. (laughs) My niece is a massive MasterChef fan. Um, and so she knows I like custard. And so she got this book and she knows I like cats. So like, this is, this is a book I needed when growing up. This is you like needed it. Mm-hmm. the perfect book ever. <laughs> <laughs> it is so amazing. I love the want. little illustrations. <laughs> Look at this. Oh. I want custard. It's his little drawing in it. S-T-A-R-D. <laughs> I love this book. Um, but spoiler alert, oh. the ending is so disappointing because the, the cat, cat No, no, no. The cat oh, decides okay. that they don't want custard. When oh, they try oh. the custard, they're like, that's not what I want. I want mashed potatoes. Well, that's why a huge curveball. Why would you want mashed potatoes when you can have custard? I think mm. the ending's wrong. Like the really ending's wrong. I wonder just... if there's an equivalent for dogs. Like the cat, the dog wants Ooh. custard. What, what does the dog want? Custard. Everyone wants custard. Okay. Very I quick show and tell today. <laughs> very random show and tell today. Mm. Um, you can tell we've both had a very busy week. So you know, I think maybe we might be a bit more prepared <laughs> next week. <laughs> I'm sorry we haven't given much to you to your lives. And, um, at the moment, but um, we're about to improve your life. This is an interview yes. that uh, will give you value, will give you knowledge. It's cocktail month. May is Australian cocktail month and we had the absolute privilege to discuss said cocktail month with Penny Sippy. Penny is the producer. What is your actual title of Australian Cocktail Month? Yeah, I think producer's good. Producer or founder? Founder, yes, of Australian Cocktail Month, which I am absolutely loving at the moment. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Scott. Nice to speak to you. Hi, Elise. Hi, Penny. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Um, We have a few questions for you, of course. And as someone who is... um, doing something wonderful within food. Uh, I would love to start the conversation with what was your motivation around creating Australian Cocktail Month? Yeah, definitely. So my motivation um, was kind of twofold or threefold, really. I had worked in the marketing side of the alcohol industry for nine and a half years. Um, I worked with Bacardi Martini Australia and looked after all their events, sponsorship and PR for their portfolio of brands. Uh, And then at the end of 2020, I was made redundant, as many people were. There wasn't many events happening um, in the world. So I wanted to do something, one for myself that would keep me in an industry that I loved mm-hmm. and also something for the the venues. Um, hospitality, as you guys know, was one of the hardest industries that was hit um, yeah. by COVID, not just by the closures, but the ongoing restrictions um, and a little bit of fear that consumers had about getting back out into the venues. So I kind of, once I was made redundant, had not that much time off, just a, just a few weeks and kind of came up with this concept, spoke to a few people, 
on the brand side, but also on the venue side to see if this was something that they thought might have legs and then kind of just went for it. And within seven months for year one, um, we moved from idea to execution and rolled it out within 72 venues across four cities for year one. That's, That's a massive so party. impressive. <laughs> yeah, that is one massive party. Mm. We, we did have a really good launch party in Sydney last year and it was one of the first events of the industry um, after the initial lockdown. So it was really great to get everyone from the industry back together in the one room. That is so good. I think, you know, that's one of the positive things. There's been a lot of negative things that have come out of COVID, but one of the positive things is just how everyone has been forced to think creatively, think outside the box and come up with these unique events. And I think, you know, Australian Cocktail Month is like this kind of pub crawl. It is so cool. Curated (laughs) pub crawl. And you get to go to all different bars and there's this like secret list. So it's sort of like a Speak easy meets pub crawl. Is that how you would describe yeah, it? That's a good explanation. So consumers purchase a ticket yep. for $20 and then that gives them access to three special cocktails in each venue. So in Brisbane, I know you've experienced a few of the bars on the weekend. Yes. So they've got 24 venues participating. Amazing. And each of the venues has one hero Australian cocktail, one hero international cocktail, and then also a non-alcoholic cocktail as well. Because we know that, you know, it's a, a growing trend that more and more people want to partake in cocktails. They want that flavour experience and the atmosphere and experience of going to bars, but they may not want to be drinking for for one cocktail or for the night or maybe they don't drink at all. So we've got a lot of variety so everyone can take part. And when I was coming up with the program, I wanted it to be, uh, I suppose, as inclusive for brands as possible. So we've got equal number of Aussie brands as we do, you know, the international big hitters like, you know, whether it be Glenfiddich whiskey or Patron tequila or Grey Goose vodka, we've also got the Australian um, amazing brands that we all know and love. I love that. I love seeing some of those Aussie brands. Um, I had a great cocktail using Ocean Road Gin from Melbourne, which was so cool. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a beautiful one. Delicious. um, How much quality control goes (laughs) into, like, is there a vetting process for these cocktails? How many cocktails do you get to try? How how passionate are you? (laughs) (laughs) I am very passionate. I I, I strive for quality control everywhere. Last last year when uh, we had the first event, I went around to every city because it was just four um, and went to all the bars for photography um, pre-event so got to taste wow. test them um, after the photos and then this year we've expanded to another um, eight cities so we've still got Brisbane City, Adelaide and Melbourne and then we've expanded to additional cities so we've stretched as far as Darwin um, right across to Perth, uh, Hobart, Geelong, Newcastle, Gold Coast, Canberra. Wow. Amazing. Um, so, so we've got, it, we went from 72 venues to 145 venues for That's this year. a lot of so sampling. Mm. I will be honest, I haven't tried every cocktail, <laughs> um, but I haven't got around to as many as I mm. can. That's an incredible, um, that's an incredible coordinating exercise, Penny. And what I'm wondering is how many people are involved in this or is this just, just you? Because you're integrating so many 
many different people from so many different professions in order to execute this large-scale event. Um, I suppose what you're doing really showcases the potential of the event space. And could you share with us a little bit of behind the scenes of, of the webs of individuals that might be involved in something like this? Yeah, lot, lots of webs of people, but also lots of spreadsheets. I uh, bet. Controlling it. <laughs> um, bartenders are, are beautiful, creative people, sometimes not so good on timelines and getting stuff done. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of follow-up and chasing, but mm. I'm kind of used to that from my previous roles. Um, what I did to implement this time was I, I got someone on the ground in each city, um, even in the smaller cities where we're just working with six bars because I really wanted just someone to be on the ground, to be able to mm. pop into the venues and, and either follow up with anything that was outstanding but also be there to answer any questions for them as well. After tasting so many cocktails, did anyone... St- I know this is probably like an impossible question, <laughs> maybe top three even. Did anything stand out to you? Did you taste anything that blew you away or was really unusual? Or uh, There's been a lot of... Uh, delicious ones and a lot of um i suppose each year just just like food there's different trends yeah um, that that come through and i think probably a trend in the drinks at the moment that people can experience you know it used to be a lot about the theater and creativity of making the cocktail in front of the the customer yes um which is always fun yes um but i feel there's a, a trend at the moment where it's more about people with well, the bartenders doing all the prep work before, mm-hmm. um, whether it be making, um, uh, you know, ingredients or um, road evapping things, all kinds of technical stuff yes. um, so that the flavours are really, really layered. And then when it's served at the venue, it literally is just a pour um, and into the glass over beautiful ice. Um, So it's super simple and clean. There's a a venue on board um, in Melbourne, it's just opened, it's called Par, and it is in uh, Brunswick. And every, not just their Australian Cocktail Month drinks, but every drink in their venue is all served in the same wine glass um and and it's it's very much like a restaurant what they have on offer is what they have on offer Mm -hmm. um and i was like well what about if you come in and ask for a negroni because that's one of the ones i really enjoy yes um they were like well we won't have a negroni but we will have this or that kind of has similar flavor profiles and i was like oh that's different and I'd never heard of that kind of concept before and they were like well you wouldn't walk into a restaurant and say can I have you know macaroni and cheese or this is true you know, you'd, yeah you'd work yeah. what was off the, off the menu so I think that's a, a really exciting kind of trend and obviously the drinks they make are delicious as well wow I love that yeah. idea at least I think we need to go and check out this bar oh yes please <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm wondering what do you think is the magic of a cocktail? What is it that attracts the consumer to, to a cocktail? And, you know, I suppose th- this is the key behind Australian Cocktail Month and, and why cocktails exist on menus. And I'm, I'm very curious yeah. to know what your particular insight is. Yeah, I think, um, well, one of the other reasons why I kind of wanted to do Australian Cocktail Month and have everything about going into the venues versus like, 
a cocktail festival in an event space or something. Mm, I wanted everything yes. driving people back into the venue. Um, during lockdown and all the closures and restrictions, you know, there were plenty of cocktail workshops or Friday night Zooms with your friends over a glass of wine and that kind of stuff, which was fun at the time because that's all we had access to. Yes. But um, getting back into a venue, and it's not just the cocktail, it's, as in it's not just the liquid in the glass, it's also the glass, it's the ice, it's the temperature, it's the the host welcoming you at the door, it's the music, it's all that kind of stuff that, that builds together and, and makes a wonderful experience. And I think kind of obviously with the drinks having alcohol and even if they don't, you know, that kind of um, experience all added together really creates great memories and you know you think of amazing times you've had with friends they've often been um you know with cocktails or with alcohol involved um because it you know it tends to let loose and everyone up a little bit <laughs> yes. so everyone has a, a bit more of a good time but um mm. I, I think that's what it's all about and then in regards to i suppose the actual what's in the glass for for me um a great cocktail is all about balance just like you guys would understand a, a great dish. Um, and I, I always like cocktails that are, there's familiar flavours mm -hmm. in there, but there's also something that's a little bit like, what is that? Or I haven't Did had that test. combination before or, or something like that. So, yeah. yeah. And, and the bartenders are so creative. They're always coming up with new, new concepts, whether it be in regards to flavour or how things are served or that kind of stuff blows me away all the time. Oh, their wealth of knowledge is incredible. I was speaking to one of the bartenders at La Costa and he reckons he had 400 cocktail recipes in his head. I know. That he could just I, do, if you walked up to yeah. him, he could just rattle one off. Yeah. Like, 400. Yeah. I mean, I struggled to remember what everyone's ordered at the table. You have to go order. <laughs> yes. It is impressive. Yeah. No, they've got great skills and, um, you know, even the, the trainings that the sommeliers go through for the wine education and stuff, oh, it just blows my mind. Yeah. Is there like a sommelier version of someone that makes cocktails? That needs to be a thing, I think. Well, I mean, look, there are, some people call them mixologists, but oh, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of bartenders don't like that term. I've heard um, negativity towards yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I just call them bartenders. They seem happy with that. Yes. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. And I love to see that there's the non-alcoholic option too, like you touched on, because I think that's really important. Cocktails can be quite boozy. And if you're driving or you don't drink a yeah. lot, um, being able to still enjoy the experience with friends and have that non-alcoholic version, I think is yeah. great. Yeah. So we've got um, Liars on board, which mm. is an Australian brand of non-alcoholic spirits. And they've got, I think, 16 variants in the range now. So there's mm. a lot of opportunity for the bartenders to be creative with that as well i mean the the days are gone of a, a mocktail that's just juice and a bit of grenadine or something to oh yes amazing stuff that they can make now yeah the the mocktail options always used to be very <laughs> disappointing on the menu you'd look at them and they were just paled in comparison to the other exciting cocktails that had yeah. the alcohol so i think that's yeah. brilliant yeah i'm wondering penny you touched on how uh the audio of oh, the 
I suppose the music or the sound of a venue can enhance your mm. cocktail sipping experience. I'm wondering if you could help um, our listeners with selecting some top some top places to visit um, that are a part of Australian Cocktail Month and um, would you be able to l- let our listeners know where they're going to experience the ultimate, I suppose, multi-sensory experiences within within their particular states, if any come to mind? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. fun. Well, that's a good question. At first, I thought you were going to ask me for my, my cocktail listing music, and I was like, oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Playlist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think Fleetwood Mac, I'd be up for that. Oh, yeah, nice. But <laughs> in, in regards to venues, so um, in Brisbane, a new venue, I'm not sure if you've been yet, Scott, is called um, Frog's Hollow. No, I need um, to check it out. And that's amazing. That's uh, on Charlotte Street in the city. And uh, I know that they've got different playlists for different times throughout the evening. Um, So, you know, it starts off quite, um, I suppose, calm and gets more uh, debaucherous as the evening (laughs) does. Uh, so that that would be one of my picks for Brisbane. Um, Savile Row in Brisbane is also amazing. They they often have... um, uh, live DJs, so that's pretty fab. Um, and then a new one in Brisbane is called Queens, um, which Ooh. is in the valley as well, and they um, have DJs and and uh, like drag performances as well. So that's that's amazing. And, oh my god, I love it. Their, their, their cocktails are super fun as well, especially the three that they've created for Cocktail Month. Um, so that that would do you for Brisbane. In Sydney, um, there's a venue called Baby Sammy. Um, which is in Harrington Street in the Rocks. Uh, I was actually there last night. And that's that's super fun. They not only do they have great music, but they the bartenders often have little dance routines that they'll roll out during the night to like oh, you know, I love te- that. like the tequila song. Um, and they'll all do a little routine and, and play the bar spoons on the, the bottles behind the bar. So that's that's pretty amazing. Um, if you're in Sydney that's a must do um, and in Melbourne there's a new one that's opened up called uh, Caretaker's Cottage mm. um, which it's kind of tagline is uh, Melbourne's smallest pub and they've got the most impressive uh, speaker system that's just been installed and they've also got a, a DJ set up behind the bar um, with lots of vinyl records so that's a pretty amazing one as mm. well so they're kind of like my, my must go must to uh, visits kind of off the top of my head at the moment. Very exciting. I absolutely love that. I think, you know, you touched on it, that the experience of a venue is so important and we've done the COVID thing. We've done the wine over Zoom, I agree. And people are now <laughs> craving that, you know, personal connection, but also that experience. And there's so yeah. much that goes into a great bar experience from the music to the customer service, the, the yeah. staff, everything yeah. is so yeah. important. And, you know, bartenders and hospitality professionals in in general, they love serving people. They love giving, providing that service. So they've been craving it for the last couple of years. So there's nothing they want more than, you know, a line out the door of people wanting to come into their venues. That's incredible. You have been amazing to speak to today. We really appreciate your time. I'm sure you're very busy because we're like right in the middle of cocktail month, month of May. Um, So we really thank you for your time. It's been great to talk to you today. 
Thank you, Scott. Thanks, Elise. So if people want to participate, yes. all they have to do is grab a ticket from Australian Cocktail Month, uh, $20 plus booking fee, and then that gives you access to, as I said, these three special cocktails in each venue. Um, and instead of paying, you know, $24 or so for a cocktail, they can get them for $14 um, yeah. and then the non-alcoholic ones for $10. So, it's a, it's a great offer for the consumers to come in and thank you to all the brands that have supported the industry. Um, and as I said, the bartenders are excited and can't wait to host everyone for not just the next couple of weeks, but for a long, long time ahead. I absolutely love it. I'm coming down to Melbourne in a couple of weeks. So Elise... Yep. Oh, a couple of weeks, a couple of days, actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm buying a new frock. We're hitting the town. We're hitting the town. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thank Penny. Penny is absolutely fantastic. I love a person who can coordinate so many professionals in such a way that really allows for a celebration of... Things worth celebrating, like <laughs> local cocktails, local bars, people people who are dedicated to fun. I want her job. And mm. I kind of like rode on her coattails a bit, I think, this week because I went and visited some of the bars that are part of Cocktail Month this May and I spoke to some incredible bartenders to get their hot tips on what makes the perfect cocktail and the cocktail inspiration that they found for their signature cocktail on the cocktail month list. So let's have a listen. Hopefully we might learn something. I certainly did. It was a great experience. (laughs) I'm playing. This is Mr. Badger's in Brisbane and Woolloongabba. And this tram behind me is a replica of the original tram designed by Mr. Badgers. And as Willingham is the end of the line in Brisbane, I think this is a pretty fitting tribute to an amazing engineer and designer that's designed this tram. It's super cool. Hello, Scott. Thank you. Welcome to Mr. Badgers. I'm excited to be here. You have created an amazing cocktail for Australian Cocktail Week. Do you want to tell me about it? Sure. So, our first cocktail we call the Tricky Hickey. Love it. Um, we were very fortunate enough to be given the Hickson Road Gin, yep. uh, which is made right here in Australia, in uh, New South Wales, with Hickson House Distillery. Here at Mr. Badger's, we have a really funky Italian deli influence. One of the things that I was trying to use as inspiration was an Italian spritz. And I was thinking, how do we make this an Australian? Australian version. Yeah. So we combined the Nixon Rogin with this amazing little known aperitivo, which is using Davidson Bump and Rosella. This stuff is incredible. So whenever anyone thinks about a spritz, we pick something crisp, refreshing, yes. a little bit bitter, um, obviously Campari or Select, which is an original Venetian spritz. So I'm going to whip one up for you. So we're using a little bit of lemon, um, a little bit of the Dago plum, just so it adds that bitterness without um, overpowering or outshining the gin. Some of the ingredients are a little bit tart. You want to add a little bit of sugar. Soda. Ah. 
So we're garnishing that with some cucumber, which I have prepared earlier, <laughs> and some fresh rosemary. Pairs really well in a spritz cocktail. Nice. Mm. Amazing. <laughs> What do you think is the secret to, to a good cocktail? The secret to a good cocktail, um, I think, is balance. Yep. Balance in flavours. So, balancing the, the sweet, the tart, um, the alcohol with the, the mouthfeel. You want something that is, is beautiful and smooth and easy to drink. I love it. So this is the Tricky Hickey by Mr. Badgers. It's an Italian style spritz with this Davidson Plum Bitters, which gives it this beautiful, like, sourness to the drink. It is so delicious. I think you would really like that cocktail. It's an Italian spritz. And that Davidson Plum Bitters was so good because Davidson Plum has that, you know, sourness to it. Yum, I love bitters and there's mm. so much in the world of bitters that maybe not a lot of people know about, but there's, yeah. of course, that traditional Angostoro bitters that would belong in lemon, lime and bitters. But if you look outside the box a little, mm -hmm. you will find that there is a lot more to it. And if you have a couple of other varieties of bitters in your liquor cabinet, uh, you have the world at your feet. Um, Scotty. What other yes. varieties of bitters do you have at home? I'm just wondering because this is this is a fun game to play. Oh, it is, isn't it? <laughs> Look, mm. I've started collecting bitters, but I don't have an awful lot. I've got the standard bitters. I've got a bitter orange bitters, which is really good. Um, a cacao chocolate bitters. Oh, yum. So good. That is really yummy. I, I'm not an expert when it comes to alcohol, of course, so that's full disclosure, but I am an enthusiast and I will say Ooh, I that this. from my understanding, bitters adds herbal notes. It mm, adds yes. a little bit of complexity to enhance mm. flavour, um, a little bit of concentrated flavour. Um, yes. That's my understanding. One of the things I love about being an interior designer is the storytelling aspect that you get to explore from a really good design concept. And this one was super cute because it was based on this tram. They've got like a full replica tram in the middle of the restaurant that you can sit in and you can have your lunch or your dinner. And it's based on the, the first tram that Mr. Badger's designed um, and when they bought trams to Brisbane. So there is this gorgeous little storytelling. There was Mr. Badger's up on the wall behind me as I was recording and it's just super cute. I think it just adds another level of experience that it's not just a bar. There's, a, you know, you're learning something. And I think, you know, learning something, having that historical aspect and that storytelling aspect to a design concept really just elevates that entire experience. And you take something away from that and you tell all your friends. It's such a clever trick. I really enjoyed it. That's what I love about eating out or going to places with you. You are aware of the place. You're aware of space. Um, yes. And I can be 
the kind of person with blinkers on because I am there for the food and <laughs> other experiences can be secondary. But as soon as you're with me, Scotty, you make me aware and alert to the surroundings. And yes. as Penny mentioned as well, when we are consuming, we are being influenced by a range of sensory experiences that are going oh, on, yeah. the, the music, the the sound, um, and of course, the the design of the space. I'm wondering, Scotty, when you enter a place like a bar, um, yes. are you able to switch off a part of your ba- brain that goes into that hypercritical mode? Are you no. uh, someone? No, no, okay. <laughs> yeah, because it's your work. You know, are yeah. you, are you yeah. making mental notes? What happens when you enter a place that oh God, yeah. is of an interesting design and? And how do you focus on the food when there's so much else going on that you are aware of? It's definitely a different experience for me. I um, enter designer mode the second I walk into a space that I'm analyzing and dissecting. I'm looking at how they've done things and why. I'm trying to understand the design concept and the philosophy behind why things are the way they are. Um, But I can still enjoy the experience. And in some ways, maybe that is a little bit heightened for me because I am so in tuned and sensitive to my surroundings that I have a heightened level of experience when I go to these places. Um, And, you know, it brings me joy when it's done well. It's, you know, to the opposite end of that. If it's done badly, it's not a very good experience for me. Where did you go next, Scotty? Oh, yes. Let me play the next one. This was such a fun day. I wish I could do this as my job. (laughs) Maybe without the alcohol. (laughs) You remind me of like a little getaway host. It's great. (laughs) Getaway, if you're listening, um, I'm available. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> Let's contact them. We'll make a few phone calls. I reckon the more phone calls you make, they'll have to pick up one day. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, they get an intervention order. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Next one. Next one. I'm in Canvas Club in Woolongabba and this cute little bar is tucked away. It's this little hidden gem. They do the best cocktails. I'm meeting with James today and he is going to make me his ginger snap curry. <laughs> I'm saying that right. It's inspired by ginger snap biscuit. That's all I need to know. So my name's James Hughes. Um, I'm the manager and bartender at uh, Canvas Club here at Woolloongabba. Um, we'll be making the uh, uh, ginger snackery today, which is part of the Australian Cocktail Month uh, promotion. So this cocktail to me, is it like a ginger snap? Is that what it's sort of inspired by? Yeah, yeah. So something that was like a a big part of my childhood was um, going to my grandma's house and we'd always have like quite a milky light wheat tea, but there were always like the little ginger snap biscuits on the side. And I mean, I'm a big fan of Diplomatico rum and I know that like the sort of like rich, treacly, heavy sort of like caramel... Caramel vanilla forward flavors yep. work really, really nicely with like that ginger biscuity, slightly molasses-y sort of flavor. So I thought it'd be a nice combination. So with this one, um, we've got the Diplomatico Reserva. So good. Then we've got a little bit of a uh, white chocolate liqueur. So you can use dark chocolate liqueur if you want. Pretty much anything chocolatey. I prefer white just because it's not got as much of like a heavy intensity to it. It's a bit more like yep. candy sweet. We use some fresh squeezed lime juice, Angostura bitters, just to balance out the flavor and add a little bit of length and some of those spice notes. We've also got a little splash of a homemade molasses, ginger, and paprika syrup. Uh, we use the blue label stuff here. I love that one. Pretty much anything really yep. will do the trick. Uh, 
dump that into a saucepan, yep. fill the jar with an equal amount of water as there was molasses, mm -hmm. give it a really, really hard shake to make sure you get everything up off the bottom, pop the water in, cut up a little bit of fresh ginger, throw that in, and then about a teaspoon uh, of smoked paprika. Okay. Let that uh, cook down for like five minutes or so, just once it starts to bubble, take it off the heat, and then let it cool down on the bench top or in mm -hmm. the fridge. And uh, yeah, by the time it's done cooling, you'll have your uh, smoked paprika ginger molasses syrup. What do you think's the trick to making the best cocktail? It's the hardest one to replicate at home, but like good quality ice. If you've only got access to the, like the little thin shaved half moon ice, it can make it quite hard mm -hmm. um, to get like really nice consistent cocktails. Mm. Um, but yeah, other than that, like just using good quality ingredients, you know, if you, yep. you know, if you're using the cheapest rum out there, it's fine. But you know, if you invest a little bit more in like a, a nicer rum or something like that, then you'll get a lot more um, intensity and like a much more pleasurable experience. I think. Do you have a favourite cocktail? I know that's always a hard question. <laughs> I mean, uh, part of the reason that I chose the two cocktails that I did for Australian Cocktail Month. One is a dirty gin style martini, or mm -hmm. dirty gin martini style, and the other one is a daiquiri because daiquiris you can have any time of day, like probably not breakfast, but sometimes breakfast. <laughs> yeah, why not? Lunch or dinner, it's always applicable. It's always delicious, especially in the Australian heat. Yep. Um, I've been pretty wet up here in Brisbane lately, <laughs> but you know it's one of those anytime, any anywhere sort of drinks. Let's get into it. Cool. We'll start off with 50 mils of the Hero, which is the Diplomatica Reserva. And then it's just equal parts of lime, so 15 mils of lime, with 15 mils of the white chocolate liqueur. I want that. And then 15 mils so of that homemade molasses syrup. If you don't really want to have to use a stove top for that one as well, you can do it like quick and dirty style by putting like two teaspoons of smoked paprika and like two teaspoons of like ginger powder oh, yeah. just straight into that like mixed up equal parts molasses and water yep just means that it comes out a little bit faster and you don't have to like muck around with the stove top oh, and yeah. you don't feel like it it's a good hack yeah <laughs> no sense making life more difficult for yourself really absolutely <laughs> so, yeah when I mean ice like we use like quite large sort of chunks of ice yep um, you should be able to like buy molds of those pretty easily around town otherwise they're like plenty of ice suppliers if you're hosting a party or something like that and you just want it as once off yep. even like honestly even the servo station ice is pretty decent yep. like it'll it'll see you through in a pinch seal it up look at that professional give shake give it a decent hard shake you don't have to shake it too long and fine strain it that is another fun little one you can do at home as well. If you put your glassware into the fridge for like two minutes, mm -hmm. or even like wet it and then pop it into the fridge for like a minute or two, it'll help your drink last longer and stay colder and yeah, just be a little bit crisper. Otherwise, you can pop it straight in your freezer and that'll that'll help it go a little bit faster as well. Yep. And the garnish for this one is a little bit of dark chocolate coated ginger. Cheers. This is the uh, ginger snap curry, and my name is James, and this is for Australian Cocktail Month. I'm going to give this a taste. <laughs> it is really good. It was so good, Elise. Oh I'm a big God. fan of ginger snap biscuits. Mm. And this is like, it really, this really made me think like, 
bartenders are like chefs, like the ingredients and the flavors and the profiles that they're working with. There is such a trend at the moment on doing all these amazing sugar syrups. And I think that just adds this other level of complexity to a drink. This like black treacle, ginger and smoked paprika sugar syrup Mm. was wild with the rum and the white chocolate liqueur. Holy moly. It really did taste like a ginger snap biscuit. I, I, I wouldn't have ever thought to put smoked paprika. It's such no. a random ingredient. But what what role do you think it played? Oh, look, I was really happy and I spoke to James about this when he said smoked paprika. I was worried because it can be a really overpowering flavour and it can take over anything. Mm. It was done so subtly that it was just there and it just bought this like um, pepper element to it, which you get in a ginger snap, like all the different spices in a ginger snap. I wouldn't be surprised if there was pepper as a spice in ginger snap. And a lot of gingerbread biscuit recipes use pepper as part of their spice mix. And so it was so clever to get this like capsicum peppery sort of flavor that was there and it provided this hum, but it wasn't overpowering and it didn't reek of smoked paprika, which I was really yeah, worried about. It wasn't about. a paella or a No, that's right. No, no. <laughs> okay, okay. It was so good. And I loved how passionate James was about ice. These are the things mm. that, you know, bartenders, I think, obsess over these in- ingredients that are so important. And I, it really resonated with me. Like you and I obsess over ingredients and cooking bartenders are the same in terms of going down that rabbit hole and ice I know I've spoken to a number of bartenders and ice is something that a lot of bartenders are really pedantic about mm. you never think about it at home you just have your ice cube tray in the fridge you just whack it in yeah. and <laughs> whoops <laughs> <laughs> oh dear all right How many more cocktails did you drink that afternoon? Oh, look, there was quite a few. Uh, Let's do the next (laughs) one. (laughs) This is Scotty's cocktail crawl around Brisbane. I'm in Electric Avenue in Woolloongabba, Brisbane, and this place is super fun. It is such a rabbit warren. There's so much to look at here. There's even a little speakeasy upstairs, which is definitely worth checking out. This is the little speakeasy, Mrs. J Rabbits. It's hidden in this little wardrobe. I'm gonna sneak through. (laughs) It's in a cupboard. Look at that. I'm going to try one of the signature cocktails on the Australian Cocktail Month menu. Will is here and he's going to show me his Shanghai Noon. I can't wait to give it a go. My name is Will Morns. I'm here, bar manager of Electric Avenue, which we find ourselves in in Wollongabba. Here to make you the Shanghai Noon. I was given Peddler's Gin Co. So it's a new gin based out of Shanghai, which I find to be quite nice. Uh, piggybacking off the uh, sort of cultural heritage of the ports there having a massive English influence and then also wanting to do their own twist on things. So they've gone ahead and pretty much made an English style gin, but uh, sourcing all the botanicals around the area of Shanghai. So uh, like authentic oriental uh, botanicals gives it a very strong herbal front. And what I did with that was decide to throw some jasmine green tea in there. Yes. And instead of straying from the silk path, just you know, stay on the short and narrow. And 
I'm a big fan of simple drinks. So I never go too extreme with anything I do. And I figured as we come into winter, we need something like nice, easy, simple, but still has its own merit. And yep. so I just went with the fizz. Yep. Good old classic fizz. Can't go too wrong. So I go for a good double of the Shanghai gin, so the Pedalist gin, just nice, easy specs. Uh, but the hard part was balancing the syrup that I made, which was from a loose leaf jasmine green tea. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way I went about making that was uh, making a very, very strong cup of tea. Yeah. Uh, very strong cup of tea, and then going equal parts of that and sugar, and turning it into just a simple syrup. Nice, easy to replicate, but it still preserves all of the um, flavors of the tea, just with a good sweetness. And the next hard part was, well, the citrus, because uh, you can't just go classic 30 mil specs for this particular drink as the jasmine gets lost and the citrus just cuts through everything. So I decided to go at the opposite end of the spectrum and do pretty much a whole shot of the syrup, which sounds a bit excessive for sugar, but, and only 15 mils of the lemon juice, which we mm-hmm. freshly squeezed. Which uh, turned out to be a good idea. But no, it's just simple fizz, so reverse shake, you can shake it how you want, be it reverse, so wet and dry, or dry and wet. Yep. I'm just going to go dry and wet because it's what I was talking. Yep. Do you get a bit of foam by doing it that way? Yes. So what this does is it goes ahead and introduces the egg whites to the uh, citric acid of the lemon juice. And the vigorous shaking goes ahead and emulsifies the egg whites. So if you're familiar with meringues, uh, that is yep. how they go ahead and create meringues. They just get a heap of egg whites and a good a good load of sugar as well. And they just vigorously beat it for a very long time it comes, until it comes out like very light, fluffy, like almost a mousse. And then you go ahead and add your ice and that seeks to further emulsify because mm-hmm. it's you know a rough component agitating all the egg whites and the liquids. So I find it's best to get the soda water in first. That way you can just go ahead and add the cocktail on top of it. Give it a quick stir to combine. Rather than having to go ahead and wait as the foam sets. And this is the Shanghai Nude for Australian cocktail one. What do you think makes, like, what's the secret to a great cocktail? Well, ignoring all the technical sides of things like ice and shaking, quality of spirits, freshness of juice, so on and so forth, just having a bit of care. Yep. Um, depends who you make it for and what you're making for them, but having a bit of care makes all the difference. Do you have a favourite cocktail? Um, I would have to say the Quarter Reviver number two. It's the first cocktail I properly learned how to make, and it's everything to a tea that I enjoy. What is what is it? I haven't had one of these. Corpse Reviver. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sounds it's, epic. It's, it's pretty nice. It's an old one. Um, but it's equal parts gin, lille blanc, lemon juice, and uh, like a dry curacao liqueur, or a trip sec if you don't have access to that. Shaken, double strained into a coupe with a lemon twist and a small bar spoon of absinthe floated on top. Nice, zesty, refreshing, very tasty. And a kick of absinthe. Yeah. 
This is the Shanghai Noon Cocktail, which is part of Australian Cocktail Month. And Will has done an awesome job on this. I love the green jasmine tea in this traditional sour. It's a great balance of sweet, sour, and that jasmine tea is really forward, which is what you want. Absolutely love it. It's super refreshing and delicious. My favourite part about that was the little speakeasy in the cupboard. <laughs> I know. It is the coolest little bar. I've had. A, I've gone to a birthday function there and it's the funnest thing because it's just tucked away. You don't even know it's there. Mm. <laughs> to to, walk to, to people that don't know what the word speakeasy refers to, how do, how do we define that, Scotty? Oh, gosh. Mm. Oh, I need to... Um, do my research. So this is going to be off the cuff, but speakeasy goes back to the prohibition days when alcohol was illegal and it was illegal to drink. And so speakeasies were these bars that were hidden away, away from the police and authorities that still allowed the bar scene to exist. And quite often they would be through random places. Like you'd Mm. go through a hairdresser and there'd be a door and you'd do a secret knock and you'd get through and the bar would be hidden away behind that. I don't know where the term speakeasy came from. I'd love Mm. to look that up to understand the name, but that's what a speakeasy is. It comes from those prohibition days. Amazing. You are a wealth of knowledge, Scotty Bagnall. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Where else did you drink the other day, Scotty? Look, this is the last one um, Mm -hmm. and I need to show you this one because I've gone down this rabbit hole this week (laughs) trying to replicate how this cocktail was made. It's still a work in process. I haven't nailed it yet, but, you know, stay tuned. Uh, This was very cool. Hello guys, my name is Guilherme, I'm here at La Costa and we're going to try the Oceana Blue with the Great Ocean Gin and uh, inspired by the ocean of the, in the coast of Melbourne. It's a really nice and refreshing cocktail for tonight. What is good about this cocktail guys? It is well balanced, which is a nice drink for a cocktail. Really nice, well balanced between citrus and sugar and sweet. Look how pretty that looks. Look at this. What is that? It's a bubble. He has a bubble bubble machine. machine. It's a smoke Ah. bubble machine. This was amazing. Look at Ah. that. You like puff the magic dragon. (laughs) It just disappeared. (laughs) That smoke bubble machine blew my mind. So that's the rabbit hole I've been going down this week. I'm trying to find a smoke bubble machine. It's something that I need in my life, I feel. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) Please don't tell Andrew. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) He'll know when you whip it out. I know. (laughs) I don't think I can pretend that I've always had that one. Like some things I can get away with. I'm like, I'm I've always had that You can bowl. say it was given to you for free. You can be like, oh, someone sent this in the oh, mail. Oh, yes. You know? It's a really good idea. <laughs> oh, I love that. I'm, I'm so sorry because I had a terrible show and tell, but I've done so many fun things recently <laughs> since we last spoke. So I went to the Harvest Moon Festival at the Delatite Winery. And what is the Harvest Moon It was Festival? this... Gorgeous festival held in oh. Mansfield um, oh. at a winery that is just so soulful. Oh. Um, this is a family-owned, family-run winery. And once a year they have 
this delicious feast, this fire-roasted feast. Um, Mm. They had a whole goat over the fire, these gorgeous massive blue icons, these big prehistoric-looking fish, a massive bonfire. Um, It was fun. It was delicious. It was the kind of place where you want to be drinking red wine at night. Um, The weather was fine and beautiful. Um, Look, there are other stories involved with the evening, including Adam and I wenching Amelia Jackson and her husband out of the mud. (laughs) 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 Oh, my gosh, they got bogged. And so we were all about 90 minutes late to the dinner. And so Benty Greisbach, I haven't pronounced her name correctly at all, but she is a (laughs) remarkable chef and this blue-eye cod, Scotty, had been smoking all day. We arrived at the winery at... 11 a.m. and this cod had just been hung on these strings and it was just receiving this gentle smoke. And then towards the end of its cooking time, she threw some soaked hickory chips into the coals and that Yum. just intensified the smokiness. And Ooh. when it was served, she each table had a big platter of this fish that had just been flaked, dolloped with large um, uh, spoonfuls of creme fraiche and this delicious like apple style dressing, uh, mm. And there were also some fire-roasted leeks amongst, you know, carefully placed amongst the flaked fish and it was just, Yum. just, just opaque. It was salty and briny from the cure that it would have been treated with before being smoked. Mm. Oh, and with a little bit of this gorgeous oat. It was like a like a soda bread that was served. Oh, yeah. Oh, with butter as well. Scotty, I was in mm. heaven. It was one of the most delicious entrees I've ever had. It wasn't served... You know, in a fine dining style, you know, individual plates. It was served on a platter. There was no pretension. It was honest food. And that is exactly how I love to eat. So fitting for the location, the evening. It was beautiful. So (laughs) on the Sunday, uh, there was a farmer's market at the winery. So we went back on the Sunday morning and um, there were various stall holders. I bought a delicious moonshine of all things. Oh, yeah. I bought a Dutch (laughs) apple pie moonshine. Dutch (laughs) apple pie moonshine? And it is like syrup. That sounds so good. I have intentions for this this Dutch apple pie moonshine and those intentions include... Um, think mm. crepe Suzette, right? Oh, you know, flaming yes. orange there. liqueur with orange. But yep. my plan is caramelised apples with crepes, a spoon of vanilla ice cream. Or custard. And this. Or oh, custard, whatever. This, this liqueur, mm. when you think moonshine, you think, oh, rocket fuel. No, 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 no. This is like apple maple syrup with a bit of warmth. <laughs> Oh, wow. Do you have a little video to share of this? I do. So Hank from Swift Crest Distillery has shared a wonderful cocktail recipe with this beverage. So this is our um, Dutch apple pie moonshine. So we make a Dutch apple pie old-fashioned with this. Um, It's um, one shot of um, Dutch apple pie moonshine and one shot of um, whiskey. And you can also garnish with some bitters or you can add some um, cherry juice or a cherry. Beautiful. That sounds absolutely delicious. Thank you. Oh, that looks so good. I love an old-fashioned. I'm a big fan. Me too. Apple pie moonshine. What was the other ingredient he said with it? 
Uh, whiskey, just a whiskey. of course. Yeah, whiskey, yeah. apple pie, a little moonshine. bit of bitters is optional. I wonder what bitters you could add with that. Mm. Oh, something like a cinnamon bitters or something. <gasps> that's like... We need to go shopping. Yes. <laughs> when you come to Melbourne, cinnamon. I'll pick you up from the airport and then we'll go to the bitters shop on Smith Street in Collingwood. It's oh called God. the Bitters Lab. Okay. Yes. We'll go there. Okay, done. <laughs> we have a specific reason to go to. You need to make sure you don't overspend. Yes. <laughs> I will set a budget. Set a budget. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, aside from the apple pie moonshine, I also bought eight pumpkins and that was my weekend. <laughs> well, I think that is a wrap for this mm-hmm. week. Let's uh, next week uh, record this in the morning with no margaritas. <laughs> I liked the change. It was nice. Next time we'll have it, yes. um, a Zabalone in the morning. It's a breakfast oh, drink. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, oh. thank you for joining us today. If you do have any cocktail recipes you would like to share with us, please be in touch. Um, mm-hmm. We, of course, have the giveaway. Please um, follow us on Instagram and you will see what that giveaway competition actually entails. We still we'll haven't come up with how to enter and how to win. But by the time this uh, podcast is finally produced and edited, um, we will have come we'll have to a, a decision. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel for the visual experience or you can find us on all major podcast channels. You've been listening to Cream Eggs and Jam. I'm Elise Pulbrook and you can find me on Instagram at Elise underscore food person. And I'm Scott Bagnall and you can find me on Instagram at SS Bagnall. If you'd like to send us your show and tell, you can email us Scotty and Elise at gmail.com or if you'd like the visual experience of this podcast you can find us on youtube at cream eggs and jam have a great day happy baking